0: everybody another episode of sharp lessons coming your way as always presented by stadium we've got the professor nate jacobson i'm ben wittenstein another week goes by another week inching closer to football nate we still got some preseason nfl games we do we are talking sec win totals though for college football because that starts in like 10 days i think as of this recording we've got uh, week zero of college football coming up in 10 days and we got some golf stuff going on so Still, dog days of summer, but plenty of things to bet on.
1: Yeah, starting to feel real, especially knowing that we're wrapping up the college previews today. We've been doing one per week. I believe we have at least uh, schedule analysis and win tolls of big teams. So now it kind of is feeling real that we're going to get college football very soon. And then the NFL with some preseason, and there was plenty of action uh, over the weekend that we. Had a, a kind of a mixed bag on. I know our best bets did pretty well, but some personal stuff, I bet, didn't pan out. So so hot. Uh, but it, now we have preseason week two and there'll be another preseason. And then before you know it, we'll be talking week one, that Thursday night game, Cowboys at Buccaneers.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I, I've i been watching some preseason and then reading like college football previews. And it's just like it's getting me going. It's like it's almost yeah. fall. Leaves are going to start to turn in like a month. It's going to get colder. It's going to be quarter zip season. I'm excited and we're <laughs> going to be able to watch football. So very excited about that. But for now, we don't have regular season games in the NFL. Of course, we have preseason. And let's take a look at some of the lines because there have been some NFL week two preseason line movements, which we oh, wanted yeah. to hit on. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about it. So what should people be aware of if they're going to be, be betting some week two preseason football?
1: Yeah, so last week we talked NFL preseason, just some of the some tips to look at, uh, reading the coach's quotes, finding out who's motivated, who's not motivated, as we saw a lot of teams not really care. Uh, for example, the Los Angeles Rams, who under Sean McVay has never, comp- uh, never cared about preseason no. football. Um, And then also looking at quarterback rotations and kind of the competent second and third string guys if a team is in a quarterback battle. And I think we've seen a lot of line moves based on the week one results and also just kind of the tendencies of some teams and coaches. So uh, right off the bat, uh, this is a game that's played Saturday afternoon. The Bears open plus one. They got bet up all the way to minus five against the Buffalo Bills. Now it's settled in a little bit. Uh, Now at three and a half, I think the reason why is there were some quotes from Bears coach Matt Nagy saying that um, that the quarterback, Justin Fields, the rookie quarterback, he might get a little bit more playing time. And the Bills didn't play Josh Allen or anyone against the Lions um, in their first game. So I think the Bills are just trying to kind of cruise through the preseason, going to the regular season, especially with high expectations. Another big move, Jets open 3.5 at the Packers. They get up, bet up to minus 2.5 as a favorite, so a six-point line move in that game. I think that's a combination of the Jets winning in their first preseason game. Robert Salah trying to install the culture there, the new head coach for the Jets, but also the Packers not caring about preseason, not playing Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Vikings from one and plus one, to, uh, against the Colts to minus two and a half. I think that's just based on the Vikings playing poorly. And some of Mike Zimmer's quotes calling out the team and kind of wanting to play, uh, use the second game as a dress rehearsal after benching everyone. Uh, the biggest move Raiders pick them at the Rams to minus seven. Oh my that God. was, uh, <laughs> that moved quickly. And that makes total sense. Cause John Gruden, Pretty strong preseason track record. Yeah. I mentioned the Rams don't care. Matthew Stafford is not playing. It's something that Sean McVay made very clear before preseason. Uh, and the Raiders uh, had Nathan Peterman play most of the game uh, the other night. But it looks like Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota will have their turn and get a chance to show what they can do in the Raiders' offense. And then two others quickly. Broncos minus one at the Seahawks, moved to minus five. Broncos still going through that quarterback uh, battle between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So you'd expect both players to see a lot of time. And the Seahawks also kind of threw up a dud against the Raiders in their first game. So they might not care. And then lastly, it's a Sunday night game, isolated spot, the 49ers minus two and a half. uh, They opened at the chargers. That's up to five and a half as we record. Uh, 49ers going through, I guess, a bit of a quarterback battle. At least they're showing off Trey Lance and seeing what he can do as there's a chance that he could eventually be the starter this year. And then the Chargers, Brandon Staley, first-year head coach, coming from that McVay mindset of not really caring. So I think that is another game where there's two factors where you have a motivated team and then a team that really doesn't care at all. So those were six line moves of at least three points. Some move seven points in the case of the Raiders and the uh, Raiders at Rams, but uh, kind of a, a lesson here would just be to maybe stay away from the games where the lines have moved too much because you're really not getting the best number anymore and the early money kind of dictated what the right side would be. And it's preseason NFL. There's plenty of football over the next five or six months, so no need to force it on preseason games when you're not getting the best of the number.
0: Interesting that that Bears line moved a little bit, too. And people aren't expecting <laughs> that Mitch Trubisky comeback game where yeah. he tries to show the Bears what they're missing out well, on.
1: Yeah, it, it moved six points in the Bears favor and then kind of settled back in. And now we're looking at three and a half for the Bears. Yeah, it looks like some four. I'm, so I'm depending on where you're shot. And, yeah, and but we talked
0: got, about last week that three is a very important number. Um, no one's a very important number, but three for sure in preseason is an important number.
1: In preseason, every number actually seems important because teams are less likely to kick an extra point to tie the game. We saw many examples where there was, like the Lions last week, where they went for two in the fourth quarter. Just to see what, I mean, it's the right decision. It's a game that the wins and losses don't matter at the end of the day, but you want to make sure you work on things in, you know, semi-game speed against uh, an opposition and not just in practice.
0: Well, we both had... uh that bears team total last week over 18 and a half. And they had their backup kicker come in and knowing yeah. the history of bears kickers. I was very worried that he was going to miss that with like two minutes to go in the fourth or something when they had, what was, that? it was 15 points and I think it or it was 16 and it was to get 19 or something 17. like that. It it 17,
1: 17, 13. Uh, yeah. And it was probably it was less than five 30. minutes yeah. left. Like probably the last, like if the bears got the ball back. They probably just run out the clock. So it was a field goal that they really needed. Let's just say that, and it yeah. helped us out.
0: <laughs> yes, and it was so. It's things like that. It's like, oh, okay, this is, should be an easy, like a forty-yard field goal, but it was a backup kicker. So they, right. I mean, they're not, know. they're not trying. Who know? Who knows what the backup kicker is going to be able to do at Soldier Field yep. with the history of Bears kickers there? So <laughs> it's things like that where it's like, if you lose, you just have to just take the loss and be like, well, that's yeah. preseason football for you, but. Definitely, if you're feeling, you know, Mitch Trubisky uh, comeback game, maybe bet that one. But it does seem like the Bears and Justin Fields are uh, are going to be playing a lot in the preseason because they don't. I mean, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles don't need preseason football, really. They don't need the reps. They, they've been around. They know what they're doing. So some fun line movement, Nate. Uh, and I know we wanted to get to our preview. So let's do that. We have our NFC South preview and we have our SEC preview. So let's look at our NFC South preview first. Buccaneers, minus two hundred. They lead the whole division, of course. Former uh Super Bowl winners, Tom Brady coming back. Team looks good, so it makes sense. And most of the other teams in that division haven't gotten too much better. It seems like. And you, you you're gonna have the Panthers who are always kinda maybe be sneaky good, and you don't know how Sam Darnold's gonna come in and play with the Panthers. But at this point, Nate, it seems like it's the Buccaneers division to lose.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's built in the line minus 200. And honestly, I don't think I can make a case for another team in this division. uh, The Falcons and Panthers, I could see them being better, but I think the real issue is the New Orleans Saints. And um, I was gonna say with the Buccaneers, they're the chalk to win the division, and they're minus seven week one against the Cowboys. Their win totals 12. There's some 11 and a half still out there, but it's heavily juiced to the over. So 12 is. Pretty much the fair number on the Buccaneers, so they to win that you have to go um, 13 and 4 if you're if you're betting the over 12. If You're betting over 11 and a half. It's a little bit of a different story, but you're also laying a lot of money, um, tying your money up for four months at a at a pretty big price for not a huge payout. Uh, I think we can just go right to the Saints. I think that's the team that's kind of the most interesting from the betting standpoint. A team that has a win total of nine. I think it opened nine and a half. It's been a lot of under money on the Saints, and you lose Drew Brees, who may have been old, but it was a team that player who kind of brought the team together, and they molded a full offense over him. And now you have some questionable quarterback play right now of Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill doing battle in training camp and preseason. And
0: questionable is a very uh, nice way to put that. It's a, a very questionable.
1: And I, I love the coach, Sean Payne, the great offensive mind. It's a great offensive line. And a lot of the offensive line rankings, the Saints are one of the elite units. You still have a great running back in Alvin Kamara. But now with Michael Thomas injured and a lot of bad blood, it seems like, between the organization and him, who knows when he's going to come back, if he's going to want to rush back or try to force his way out of New Orleans. So I, I would prefer if Jameis Winston would actually, I prefer if Taysom Hill was named a starter because I would love the under nine. In this <laughs> okay. Case. I was going to
0: say, <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I don't, I'm not a big Taysom Hill guy. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I, neither am I. I think Winston in the right situation is, is fine. He just turns the ball over a lot. And I don't know if the wide receivers and, and pass catching weapons they have outside of Kamara, it, it's not that great. And I think that, Under nine is something I haven't bet too much NFL um, futures in terms of win totals, but I think after this show, I'm gonna make my uh, position on the Saints under nine. You can get nine minus 120. I wouldn't be surprised if this closes more like 135, 140, maybe even 150, uh, especially looking at just the team as a whole have lost a lot of player players because of how they've Kind of went all in with Drew Brees, and now they have salary cap issues. So week one, they're a three-point home underdog to the Green Bay Packers. That actually was Saints minus three when there was Aaron Rodgers uncertainty. But as soon as Rodgers reported a camp, that quickly moved to Packers minus three on the road. So That's surprising.
0: Uh, it, it's surprising that it's still plus three. I, I mean, I would I would take the Packers right now at minus yeah. three. Even though it's at New Orleans, I get that. So maybe, you know, they get three points because of that. But
1: I like how do they score
0: consistently?
1: I hear you. I, I just there's some a little bit of concerns. I have with the Packers uh, defensively bringing a new defensive coordinator. And I mean, it is Aaron Rodgers. He's back and in a, a fast track. So they should be able to just score. And Attack the Saints, especially the Saints have started off slow the last few years, even in their even their best years. But for me, Saints under nine is going to be a bet. Um, yeah, it's just going to be something I, I play and probably won't have too many win totals. But with what's going on and some of the latest developments, I don't see a way you could uh, if they win 10. Then sure, they beat me. But I think I would feel comfortable going under nine of the Saints.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the best move out of this whole division for the NFC South uh, in terms of even like win totals or division odds. It's just it's hard to put money on like a nine to one for Falcons or Panthers to. No,
1: yeah, I to think win. the box. Yeah, no, the, to win the division, it's either box or pass. Um, probably yeah. not interested in laying minus 200, just kind of the way I am in, in terms no. of betting season long things. But I will say another reason to like the Saints under is I actually think the Falcons and Panthers will be improved compared to last year. Falcons have a new coach in Arthur Smith. I know they lost Julio Jones, but their win total is being bet up from a seven and a half flat to seven and a half with juice on the over. Uh, It's a team that brought in Kyle Pitts to the draft. So they did get that um, kind of weapon that could help Matt Ryan and, um, they did go 4-12 and 12 last season, which looks terrible. But if you look a little closer, point differential of only minus 18. So they were basically like a 7-win team that happened to only win 4. They fired their coach midseason. They lost two crazy games in Week 2 against the Cowboys and Week 3 against the Bears, where they had double-digit fourth-quarter leads and, and couldn't finish the job, which was kind of the – I guess the downfall of the of the Dan Quinn era in, in Atlanta just not being able to hold on to massive leads and, and not figuring out the defense. So, I think the Falcons are going to be better and and there's been respect on Atlanta in the last few weeks with the way the win totals trending. And with the Panthers, a team where I like the coaching staff a lot, especially that they were able to retain offensive coordinator Joe Brady, who is one of the key reasons why LSU was so good in tw- 2019. Uh, Their new quarterback, Sam Darnold, he does have some good weapons around him, and he's not coached by Adam Gase like he was last year. So I think it's kind of, at this point, no excuses for Sam Darnold anymore. You could build those excuses when he was the quarterback of the Jets and faced a lot of pressure um, in that city, in that media market. But now we're going to see what he's all about, and... Because of the coaching staff, I I like some things with them. Um, They may have a little bit of a higher ceiling now that they went from Darnold or from Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold, but I probably am not going to have any uh, money on Carolina, at least before the season, because I'm not really sure what to think about the whole situation with Darnold. And I kind of want to see it before making any sort of judgment.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of those things where it's like I could definitely see them getting over seven and a half wins, getting that eight or ninth win. But there's so many question marks to have your money tied up for that long is just if you really want to sweat the whole season like that's fine with me. But it's not something that I think I would do. And you may have the the key duo in Christian McCaffrey and Sam Darnold. That might be the duo that gets things done. But right now, you just, you don't know. And if you're risky better, I guess that's something you want to take because it's a little fun. But it's uh, it's a little too risky for my, have my money tied up for that long for something like that. So I for guess, anything so, else, I would agree. Yeah. Buccaneers minus 200 bad. Might do their team total over at 12. Um, I think that's very doable for them. But other than that, there's not much else that I really like for this.
1: And I think what kind of brings me to the Saints under nine is – the Falcons and Panthers both being lined at seven and a half win totals, So there's not going to be an easy game for the saints in any other division games. And you could have said that last year, there was definitely some, some easier games with the Panthers going through that massive rebuild and the Falcons kind of in free fall and tearing things down. But I think both teams are going to be at least competent this year. So I'm not going to go over the Falcons or Panthers, but them being, you know, potentially 500 teams, and making life difficult for a team that's kind of dominated the division of the saints are the re another reason and a factor why the saints under nine is going to be a bet for me.
0: All right, Nate, I don't know if you knew this, but in the sec football means more. Apparently it just means more. It just means more in the sec. So this is our sec preview episode. So let's look at some of the teams and it would, uh, we we should just start with Alabama because yeah. the, the rankings yeah.
1: start with Alabama.
0: They're number 1 overall coaches poll, AP poll, every they're going to be number 1 to start this season.
1: And in an alphabetical order, they're they're
0: number 1 also. <laughs> in <so. an> alphabetical. <laughs> exactly. they're just number 1 all across the board. And this is going to be a really interesting season I think for Alabama because they're obviously coming off a title win and arguably probably their best team that they have ever had. They had what was it 6 first round draft picks on that team
1: at least offensively it was yeah they put up numbers that were comparable to that 2019 LSU team and I know there was a weird season and maybe not every team was fully prepared and Alabama probably had a little bit of an edge just because of how disciplined and up that program is with Nick Saban uh, but it still was eye-popping numbers and they did a lot of it without Jalen Waddell, who ended up being the number six pick in the draft. He did come back for the national title game, but he did get hurt pretty early in uh, last season.
0: Yeah, and they lost their quarterback, Mac Jones, uh, and they're replacing him with new quarterback, Bryce Young, who, if I believe correctly, he had like 15 snaps throughout the regular season, something like that. So yeah. he's coming in, mostly new quarterback. They're having a whole new running back system, new wide receivers, relatively fresh offensive line. Their strongest point on that team apparently is going to be the linebackers in the secondary. They have a good amount of returning linebackers. Their secondary is returning. So this might be one of those Alabama teams who tries to figure it out on the run, on the offensive side of the ball um, throughout the season. But defensively, they're going to be very strong, at least in the secondary and for the linebackers. Um, and up front, we always know they recruit, you know, the big guys from across the country. So they they'll probably be okay up front as well. They're over under for the season. Nate is eleven and a half. Juice though is on the under. So a lot of these sports books do not expect Alabama to go undefeated, which I think is interesting. But I mean, you look at their schedule. And it's, you know, it's okay. It's, it's not the easiest schedule in the world, but again, it's not the hardest. and When you're one of the top teams in the country, you're never really going to have a hard schedule because you are the best, but they start the season off against Miami in Atlanta. And that could, that could easily be a game. I could see at least coming down to the wire simply because they, they don't know what their offense is yet with Bryce young. We know he's a capable quarterback and he's a highly rated quarterback. And he's made what a million dollars so far on NIL uh, advertisements. But, Again, this is an offense with a lot of question marks. So that could be taken advantage of in Miami at a neutral site. Um, they have a tough game at Florida on the road two weeks later. They play Texas A&M on the road, Mississippi State on the road. They play a question mark Auburn team to end the season on the road. So there's all those spaces where they could slip up and lose a game. And if they do, you hit that under eleven and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um... First of all, Nick Saban, very, very good in week one with a lot of time to prepare and Miami breaking in uh, quarterback Derek King. So I think maybe the Alabama first half spread might uh, come down to the wire, but I think it's going to be a, a blowout for uh, for Alabama and the game is being played in, I believe it's in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, and, it's in Atlanta. So
1: it's gonna be even though it's a neutral site, Bama fans are gonna travel a lot better than Miami fans. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. The Florida game could be interesting. Uh, Florida's a team that's kind of intriguing this season. They lose th- uh, three players on offense were drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, including a tight end and receiver in the first round. So it's kind of a, a a team that's you know they they have some talent and 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 very good offensive mind and Dan Mullen, but probably the best time for Alabama to be playing a Florida team, just because it doesn't sound like Mullen is fully convinced that he has a a team that can contend like he kind of did last year. Um, And I think with Bama, you mentioned they lose a lot uh, in terms of players, but they also lose offensive coordinator, C Sarkeesian who became the head coach at Texas, Uh, Butch Jones, who we joked about, I think when we previewed the big 12, um, and the Sarkeesian kind of going to the Nick Saban rehab for coaches program, uh, yeah. Saban kind of reworked the reputation of Butch, Butch Jones, the former Tennessee coach, and now he's the head coach at Arkansas state. So they, they lose a lot in the coaching staff along with the players, which is, I think why they could be vulnerable in a game this year. And I, I think that game at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher's probably most talented team in terms of recruiting stars, uh, in College Station since he's been there is probably the game they're most likely to slip up in. Um, I think the question is, do you think it's going to happen or do you want to maybe give the, the options of possibly losing to Florida or another team, LSU, and betting under 11.5 or would you rather just kind of cherry pick some of the opposing team's money lines uh, throughout the season? Because it's really hard to bet against Alabama. And even if the numbers say – there is a better chance that they lo- uh, go under than over. Uh, I-, I just don't want any part of fading a Nick Saban team because even though they lose a lot, they recruit at the highest level in the country. And they still do. And it's still going to be a very, very good team despite all the losses on the field and on the sideline.
0: Yeah, I would lean the under here simply because it's – you know, people talk about the hangovers from the season before. And I know Nick Saban is, you know, the college football coach. And he's the guy that will get the program focused and ready for next season. And there's no really other coach like him that's able to do that. But you still have that coming off, you know, the best team he's probably ever had in terms of talent offensively, for sure. 13-0 um, yeah. and 0, and they win the national title handily. So you're coming off of that trying to repeat that is tough and they could absolutely, I think those, the two games, Texas A&M for sure circled as a possible loss. And then that Florida game week three could, could be a possible loss, not as much as Texas A&M, but I could see them losing in the swamp week three, when they're still trying to get Bryce young going and figure out their offense. I could see them slipping up and losing a game like that, but Nate, I can't. I can't bet against Nick Saban. I don't think I can go the under here. That's what I would lean towards, but I'm not making a play on this one. But uh,
1: 11 and a half with juice on the under. Bet at your
0: own risk against Nick Saban is uh, is all I'll say there.
1: And looking at some of the look ahead lines for the season involving Alabama and some of the big games, you mentioned they're favored by 18 and a half against Miami. Week three against Florida, they're favored by 13 and a half in the swamp. We go to College Station, they're favored by 11 and a half. And then the home games, you're going to play LSU and you're favored by 22 and a half on the game of the year <laughs> look ahead number. And then I guess the yeah. game's at Auburn, but it's 16 and a half in the Iron Bowl. Um, yeah. So maybe if you have doubts on Alabama with the way we're able to bet in 2021, where you could bet on an individual game instead of the uh, season win total, maybe betting and A M plus the points, or even Florida pass plus the points, catching two touchdowns could be the way to go because if you think Alabama might start off slow, maybe that those lines end up closing single digits and at least you get some closing line value.
0: All right. I know you looked at uh, Florida. Where are we gonna go in alphabetical order here with some of these names with some of these teams?
1: Actually, so I was thinking I bet two SEC win totals. So right. maybe at the end we can mention something about Florida. I know I talked about them a little bit on this Alabama section, but uh, I was thinking of just kind of sharing what I actually bet to give the listeners uh, some, something valuable instead of just kind of regurgitating some of the previews they might be hearing and without any opinion from us. Yeah. Put the, <laughs> put it on the line. I respect that. Yeah. I think you got to tell the people what
0: you're doing. I mean, cause you got Auburn, Right. We we talked about Alabama. They've got that new head coach from Boise State, Brian Harson, and Bo Nix getting his third year. And they're over under seven right
1: now. Seven. Um, And I was actually looking this morning to make sure it was still seven across the board. And I actually found a seven and a half. And I'd already bet Auburn at under seven. And I'm going to re-up at under seven and a half because I was surprised to see that one place – having that out there, especially because it looked like it was trending closer to six and a half. Uh, But yeah, you mentioned new coach Brian Harrison from Boise State. Uh, Auburn wasn't happy with Gus Malzahn, even though he wasn't terrible, at least in my opinion. And, you know, you think when you buy out a coach in a pandemic for $21 million, then there must have been (laughs) some some real influence. (laughs) There must have been some really like some boosters who really couldn't stand him or something. Uh, You mentioned Bo Nix, their quarterback, who I'm not a huge fan of. But with Auburn, it's always a schedule because you play in the SEC West. You always have a crossover SEC East game against Georgia. It's no different this year. And now this year with a new coach, you're going week three, a night game at Penn State. Two weeks later, you play at LSU. A week later, you're home against Georgia before a bye week. And then you go, actually, there's another game you play at Arkansas before a bye week. So that's a really tough stretch. And then you play at at, A&M versus Alabama. You host them in the Iron Bowl in November. The Mississippi schools you get at home, but those teams can be tough, especially Ole Miss, which I think has a a potential to maybe exceed their expectations with the offense they have. So for me, Auburn under seven is something I already bet. I'm going to re-up at under seven and a half, just knowing there's five games where I'm not sure. They're going to be underdogs in all those games. I could see them going 0 and 5 in those games and they'd have to win one of them, plus all the rest of their games to beat me and win eight games. So under seven on Auburn, if you can find that seven and a half, if you want to DM me, I can tell you where it is, but I don't want to be giving out sports books that uh, are just, i would give them free publicity <laughs> on the podcast. So Auburn is a team I'm going to look to fade this season, maybe not individual games because they could be a, a team that, there's still talent there defensively, so they can maybe cover some games uh, as underdogs. But when it comes to the win total, I really like the, uh, the under on the Auburn Tigers.
0: I'm going to shoot you a DM at the end of the show, ask for that seven and a half. Cause that, yeah. if they, if if that can find a seven and a half, I think I'm absolutely going to take that. Cause then you can still get seven and you still win the bet. I, I really like that yeah. a lot. Cause you, as you said, that schedule, it yeah. is very difficult to find yeah. eight wins on that schedule. Unless Bo Nix, like, improves sure. by tenfold as a quarterback and, and improves all the the bad deep balls and the accuracy decision making all of that if he just suddenly improves all of that this offseason maybe i could see auburn getting eight wins but that's a tough end of the schedule too and they play a lot of tough teams on the road so i i don't know about that eight win mark for them i really do like under seven and a half a lot
1: yep so yeah i think and another thing you you mentioned the questions about Bo Nix, but I think there's a lot of questions with the head coach coming in first year uh, from Boise yeah. State. I know he had a year at Arkansas State, which I guess is, could be considered SEC country, but it's also a Sun Belt, <laughs> and it was also a long time ago. So I think yeah. he's just, it just seems like an out-of-place hire, and it was a, a a good career move for him, I guess, because, you know, he, he turned down a lot of jobs, Um, at Harrison did at Boise State, and he got a top-level job, but unfortunately, being Auburn in a state that has Nick Saban and an SEC that's going to get even better now with, I guess, Oklahoma and Texas coming in, it's just a really tough job, and I thought that should have been factored in more with Gus Melzon and his legacy, taking them to a national title game in his first year at head coach in 2013 and beating Alabama two other times, um, others on that kick-six game, so... Thought uh, it was kind of unfair that Mel's on how he left. And I could see this year being a down year for them. All
0: right, let's look at Georgia. And that's most likely the team that would most likely face Alabama in the likeliest of SEC championship games. Um, And this is really, Nate, it seems like this is the year that Georgia can do something good. This is like everything's like lining up for them. They're getting a ton of returning players. They got JT Daniels. Coming in for his full season, coming over from USC a couple years ago. Uh their over-under is 10 and a half, with the over being juiced at most of the places that I saw. Um, but this is, I mean, this is a team that Kirby Smart worked so hard to recruit. He's got all the players that he needs, got an incredibly strong defensive line in terms of players. Um, it it really seems like this is like the make or break year, and I, I'm not saying Kirby Smart's going to get fired if they don't, you know, make a title game this season because I think they're very happy with Kirby Smart in Georgia with the way he's been recruiting, and surprisingly, he has been a better recruiter than Nick Saban over the last five years or so by like the slimmest of margins, but he's been able to out recruit Nick Saban. So I think this is this may be the year where we see that recruiting margin payoff for Georgia, where they really just dominate every single team on their schedule and i would probably lean the over 10 and a half i mean i think this is a team that could easily go undefeated um and i know this is in terms of their uh in terms of their schedule you look at it and early on they have that game against clemson and that week one game in charlotte I think that's a winnable game for them. I really do. Um, And I don't know, Nate, if you have that line pulled up for for week one for that. Um, But yeah, after that Clemson game, it's smooth sailing for most of the rest of the season. (laughs) Um, They've got UAB, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky. That's their next six games. (laughs) So if they lose to Clemson, I think they could really win out. The rest of their schedule, too. And then the, you still have the over. If they beat Clemson, I would be shocked if they didn't hit the over based on their oh, yeah. schedule. So I, I think you're still pretty safe, even though there's a little juice minus 125, minus 130. I think that's one of the smarter team total bets you can make in college football is the over 10.5 for Georgia.
1: Yeah. So Clemson is right now a 3.5 point favorite. I know earlier in the summer it was four, 4.5. So I think that there's kind of some love for Georgia, kind of like you've mentioned. Um, And it's kind of a tough way to decide what you want to do because you can go Georgia money line and win right away. And Georgia currently on the money line for that game, plus 145 probably. There's plus 150 out there. Or you could lay a little bit of juice. If you lose that game, you still have that chance of going 11-1. and And they're one of the five best teams in college football based on the odds. They were fifth in the AP poll. So there's definitely a good chance that they can, uh, even if they lose to Clemson, their playoff chances weren't going to be dead or anything because they would no. basically be controlled their own fate if they won out, won the SEC title game. Yeah. So that's the nice to, part. Yeah. Losing to, Clemson, game. Right, losing to Clemson wouldn't be the end of the world. And maybe even, beating Clemson when it comes to the win total would be a would be a great thing. But then you still are gonna have the pressure of possibly being twelve and facing an Alabama team in Atlanta. And who knows what's gonna happen by then, but there's gonna be a probably a little bit added pressure on Georgia if they'd run the table. So a yeah. team I like a lot. A team I'm not gonna fade if it if I had a them against Clemson or pick them or play the game against clemson i bet georgia if i had to play the win total over i'd bet it over i just i'm not really sure which one is better yet i think you might be able to i think the win total ben i think i, I think, think it that might be the way to go because yeah. if if you win against clemson you have a great chance probably like a 90 like percent a chance yeah. just off the top of my head of winning that bet if you lose to clemson there's still a shot that you're gonna go 11 and 1, go over that win total, especially looking at some of the look ahead lines. They play Auburn in October. That game's usually like later in November. It's earlier this year, which might be a might be a good thing, especially if what we think about Auburn and maybe getting off to a slow start. Uh, Georgia's favored by nine at Auburn in that game, October 9th. And then looking at the the uh, I know we're not allowed to say it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the people aren't allowed to say it, but the world's largest cocktail party. I don't know exactly what they call it now. I know you can't say cocktail party anymore, but Georgia is fair by seven and a half in that game. And it's indicated in their price to win the division where they're a very strong favorite to win the SEC East.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is just a cakewalk of a schedule. So I, yeah. that 10 and a half number, it really probably should be 11, but you can find them at 10 well, and a half at a lot of places. Yeah, I mean.
1: If if they had a different, the reason why it's ten and a half is is very simply they're going to be an underdog against Clemson. So yeah. kind of based on the implied probability, they're probably about a, around a forty percent chance of winning that game, and that that alone drops it because if you're playing a team that you're going to be a big favorite against in week one, that's literally like a half a game. So if they were playing Maybe uh, in the past, I, I think they've like played North Carolina. I guess North Carolina would have been a tough game this year too. But if they were playing a team where they were like a, a two-touchdown, like a team like Miami, where they were a two-touchdown favorite, um, how Alabama was playing Miami, then maybe that Georgia win total would be 11 flat because they're playing Clemson, a team that we know is very good. It's 10 and a half. So it's simply simply that, and we're probably going to know if you uh, win your season win total uh early early in the pretty season, pretty much week less, one yeah a less disaster I mean there's always injury and other crazy things yeah. that could happen but and they are uh, missing hopefully... their wide
0: receiver George Pickens who is supposed to come in and be like their top guy so that I mean yeah. that's to take into consideration with his injury but you, I can still see them getting 11 yeah. wins
1: as you mentioned they recruited well so hopefully oh yeah fill in the cracks at some of the positions uh, depth wise and we kind of like I was laughing a little bit when you were introducing Georgia because like it seems like it could be their year and it it kind of feels like it always is that feeling. It, it does. But I think finally, this is really it, really it. And as you mentioned, the schedule sets up nicely.
0: Yeah, this is this is it. This is it for for Kirby Smart. It's this is the team that he needs. Um, Do you want to do quick hits on some teams?
1: Yeah. So one other golf? team. Yeah. Uh, can I just I want to say something about Arkansas, a team I also oh, yeah, bet yeah. under. I bet them under six. I, I look today though, and everything where it's five and a half. So if a six, you can find a six on Arkansas. I'd go under the six. Uh one of the reasons I actually am, am looking to fade Arkansas is because they are crossover SEC game that's kind of on that rotation where you play a team every six years, at least for now, is at Georgia. So they get the toughest possible crossover game in the division which I think makes their one of the toughest schedules in the country because you're playing the SC West also and then you have a week two game you're hosting Texas but still they're an underdog on the look ahead line in Texas I mean they still have a lot of talent with new coach Steve Sarkeesian coming in so I'm interested about that Arkansas-Texas game I guess I'll be rooting for Texas because I did bet under on Arkansas Uh, and it's a team that last year kind of had a uh, they, they exceeded expectations despite only going three and seven because they haven't won an S before last year, they didn't win an SEC game for two years since so 2017. So they have had some really tough times. And I think asking them to win seven games is a lot, especially with that schedule. So that's kind of my thing on Arkansas. I think when we talked about SEC stuff like a month ago, I mentioned Arkansas as a team that had a really tough schedule along with our Auburn. And it's kind of the reason why, I'm playing under on both. And you can still get that Auburn under. So play that. Uh, Arkansas, try to find a six anywhere. Um, now, with so many different sports books in the U.S., maybe there is one that's still hanging a six. So look for that.
0: All right. You got Florida also, a quick hit. Yeah. And so A&M Florida,
1: too. Florida, uh, Dan Mullen back, even though he kind of was flirting with the NFL. Uh, And I I wouldn't blame him for flirting with the NFL because you're losing quarterback Kyle Trask, wide receiver Kadarius Toney, tight end Kyle Pitts. The defense was an absolute mess last year, and it prevented them from being in the playoff, uh, you know, playoff talk in the uh, last weeks of the season. They had that shocking loss at home to LSU as a massive favorite right before the SC title game, which killed kind of any chance of them making the playoff, even if they somehow upset Alabama. Uh, so that defense is going to have to improve. But the schedule, other than having to play Alabama as a crossover game uh, and having to play LSU as a crossover game like they do every year, not too bad just because the SC East isn't very good. I think their win total is at nine. And that seems like probably the right number where nine and three is pretty common with losses to Alabama in Georgia and maybe one other game and then winning out. Um, And, yeah, they have a new quarterback, Emery Jones, much different players than Kyle Pitts, Kyle, Kyle Trask. Sorry, i getting confused. The Kyles, the the guys who are in the NFL now who are drafted in the first two rounds. So uh, we'll see what kind of system Florida is able to run. Um, But, yeah, I'm interested to see kind of how Dan Mullen treats the season because he's always due for for an interesting quote.
0: A&M's interesting as well. I think yeah. they're the one that I saw nine and a half with juice on the under um, is what I'm looking at now. I don't know if you saw any different yeah. numbers um, or if you saw juice on the over, but I mean, I, I kind of, I know it's an underdog, but I kind of like the over for AM. and I know they have question marks at quarterback. They have question marks on the O-line, which is, you know, two very important positions for this team, especially after losing Mond um, last season. But They get a lot of returners back that aren't quarterback and offensive line. They had a pretty good recruiting year and schedule wise. It's, it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty smooth sailing schedule. They have to play Alabama. Of course, Mississippi state uh, can always be a tough game, but I can see them getting 10 wins from this schedule um, pretty easily. Honestly, Um, they end the season at LSU on the road, which LSU is one of those question mark teams, but they could be pretty solid by the end of the season with all the improvements in the young guys. So that could be a loss on the road. But I mean, if you lose against Alabama, you lose against LSU. Uh, it's tough to see where another loss could happen on that schedule. Um, so, I, I mean, I would lean towards the over, even though it's the underdog for them.
1: Yeah. It's another team that just based on the recruiting last few years, you just expect them to have a very talented team. Jimbo Fisher's yeah. done a, a good job. I think, Maybe the results haven't been there, but at least he's recruiting, living up to that uh, $75 million contract that he signed a few years ago uh, and got that yeah. the Texas oil money to uh, come and get him. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, I think the question mark is going to be a quarterback because you lose Kellen Mond, who is a very experienced player and kind of brought everything together. So kind of want to wait and see on Texas A&M don't really have a strong opinion on them. And you did mention they end the year at LSU or maybe it's hosting LSU, but still LSU is also a fascinating team. Uh, they had a quarterback, Miles Brennan, who got hurt in early August. Looks like Max Johnson will be the starting quarterback, the son of former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson. Uh, LSU was kind of a mess last year. I mean, just players transferring, the, the players opting out, the assistant coaches were, were terrible, especially defensive coordinator Bull Pellini. So now it'll be interesting to see if Ed Orgeron had figured out kind of bringing in the right assistant coaches. And right off the bat, week one, they're playing at UCLA. And I know last podcast we mentioned, it's we're looking forward to seeing how UCLA looks. And that's a good litmus test in that week one game for them. But the same thing with LSU, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Tigers that night in Pasadena. And if they could kind of be more of that consistent national title contender, or if Maybe they're going to be looking for a head coach soon. I think the the uh, outcomes are very wide, and the range of outcomes could be anything for LSU this season.
0: Yeah, they're the most one of the more intriguing teams, just because we have no idea what's what they're going to be doing. So I'm I'm going to have a lot of fun watching LSU. The whole SEC, as always, yeah, I think is going to be a lot of fun, Nate. But before we get to our best bets, let's uh, you want to hit on a bit of golf. Northern Trust coming up. Um, yeah. What what are going to be some of your plays for that?
1: Yeah, so the Northern Trust—that's not the Open, not the Invitational, just the Northern Trust. It's Northern the start West. of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Top 125 players in the FedEx Cup standings qualified for this event. It's the first of three playoff events. After this week, the top 70 in the standings will move on to the BMW Championship, and then after that, the top 30 will go to the Tour Championship in the Atlanta area and play for a grand prize of 15 million dollars. So, a lot of money at stake, so you're going to get really good fields right now, obviously because it's the best players from this season, but also players very motivated to get on that massive purse and, and finish up high in the in the FedEx Cup standings, which even though it's not a major, it's kind of been incentivized by the uh, the cash reward. Uh, the events played at liberty national which is in new jersey but i think it's kind of like overlooking the statue of liberty so i I think a lot of people are calling it new york even though it might actually be in new jersey Uh, the event was last played here in 2019 and that's when patrick reed won the event. Uh, i wanted to talk about this event uh, on the podcast because i did make a large bet this morning and it was a bet i've been thinking about making probably since even before this week and the field was set for the Northern Trust. And that's on Rory McIlroy. Uh, so I've known he I was going to bet him since last week because last start he had coming off an Olympic appearance was this is a long travel from Tokyo to Memphis uh, at the F- FedEx St. Jude WGC event. And he finished 12th in that event, but he was first in strokes gain off the tee and third on approach. So he was striking the ball extremely well. Uh, he just wasn't putting well. He had a horrible week on the greens, which is... Tip, not typical McElroy, but it happens from time to time. He finished six here at Liberty National in 2019. It was because of the putting. So I'm hoping maybe he found something on the greens. Two years ago, he can kind of bring that strong iron driver play now that he had in Memphis. And at 22 to one, I think the number dipped way too much. I saw some even 25 to ones earlier in the week, and and as of this morning, most places were 20 to one. So I would still play it at 20 to one. But if you can get 22 to one, really like Roy McElroy this week. I'll quickly go over some other guys I had. Just it's the playoffs, so I wanted to get some exposure to other players. Justin Thomas, who finished 26 in Memphis. Uh, he was fourth in strokes gained approach, right behind McElroy. He was also coming off an Olympic pair, uh, Olympic appearance, so I kind of give him a pass for maybe not finishing as well. He was also the defending champ in that on that course, so maybe a little bit of uh, pressure to do well. Uh, and this, the way Thomas is playing kind of reminds me of five months ago when he won the players championship where he was hitting the ball well in terms of iron play just wasn't putting and he kind of flipped the script when it came to putting for the players championship and he ended up winning And he chased down Lee Westwood and Bryce and DeChambeau on Sunday and winning that I feel like he's coming in sort of in the same form where not playing great in terms of finishes he doesn't have a top top, top 10 in the United States since he won the players. So I think that there's some some stuff going on where if you can just kind of figure out how to putt for one one tournament, which we've seen in the past, he's won a lot on the PGA Tour. Maybe he can cash a ticket and his number drifted to 28 to one. So I think you're getting the dip on JT. Uh, some other guys I bet Joaquin Neiman, I got found a 70 to one earlier this week. I also bet him top uh, five, which I got a 12 to one. Uh, Neiman is a player I have bet on many times this year, including twice in a major all year. I've been betting on Neiman and Abraham answer to win, uh, answer won two weeks ago and I wasn't on that. So it's a little bit of like a, I don't want to also miss out on the potential Neiman win. So that's kind of one reason I liked him. And I thought 70 to one for a player of his quality, uh, it was a fair price, Ian Poulter, someone I usually never bet, uh, he relies on his putting too much for me, and sometimes the iron playsn't there, and, and putting can be random. But he did finish 10th in Memphis. He finished 10th at this course a couple years ago. He's 79th in the FedEx Cup standing, so he needs a strong performance this week to make the BMW championship, but he also has aspirations to make the Ryder Cup team, which is the end of September. He'll probably make it because he's a good team player, good match play team player, kind of that classic European who can grind out a win and really has a lot of pride for his continent. Uh, But if he can, you know, show some form before that, that will definitely help his case and also just have him playing a little bit better before the Ryder Cup. And then I'm going at the bottom at 130 to one, Johnny Vegas. Uh, So Poulter was at 91, Vegas at 130 to one, just a player I've been betting a lot over the summer, including his T2 finish at the 3M Open. Uh, along with Poulter, I also bet Vegas top 10. So I tweeted out all my picks at Nate Jacobson 1. I even included the blurbs I wrote about Rory and Thomas um, at the, in the stadium newsletter. So if you want to kind of get a, a written reason why I like those two players at the top, you can check that out on my Twitter account. But that's my takes for the Northern Trust.
0: All right, let's do some best bets. <coughs>
1: And I only have one best bet
0: for this weekend, Nate, and it is the Minnesota Vikings. I came into the show as we started recording without a best bet. And I think you convinced me to do the Minnesota Vikings. And I, you know, I've said some dumb stuff before, and this may be one of them, but is it possible to call a preseason game a must win for a team? Because as you said, Mike Zimmer talked, he, he has had a rough off season, obviously with COVID and, his quarterbacks not getting the COVID vaccine, frustrating him. And they lost to the Broncos, a team they probably shouldn't have lost to even in the preseason. They're playing the Colts. They're two and a half, maybe three point favorites at home. I like the two and a half. I like the three. I think the Vikings are going to be trying as hard as we've seen anyone try in the preseason in a game like this. They just need a win. I think Zimmer needs to see his team get a win, even if it is preseason. So, I like the Vikings minus two and a half. At a lot of places, there's some juice on that. So, you can get a minus three at maybe minus 110, something like that. But I do like the Vikings uh, minus two and a half, minus three in uh, their game this week against the Colts.
1: Yeah. If you kind of just look at the coach speak, you would expect the Vikings to play a lot better. They did sit a lot of players against the Broncos, and the Broncos had that quarterback battle. So,. Not too surprising that's how the result was, um, Maybe a little bit surprising how easy the Broncos had it and I think Minnesota going to bounce back especially cuz Zimmer does have a strong preseason track record. So I think I'm going to also tail that pick on the Vikings yes. even though it has has moved a little bit uh, throughout the week but I mean with the Colts that they played a Sunday preseason game, they ended up winning that. They're kind of a team that I think at this point just they they want to just get healthy for the season because they've had a lot of injuries, uh, important injuries um, even before the preseason with Carson Wentz and Quinn Nelson. So I know they have like a quarterback battle going on, but I don't think they want to risk injury to too many other players. No, love a bet tail. Uh, yeah, so let's go with my best bet and because I bet a lot of money on it I'll and you know I sometimes want to give just like one day events you know a couple hours you know if you're going to win but I'm going to give something that lasts through Sunday and I'll say Rory McIlroy 22 to 1 to win the Northern Trust is one of my two best bets I explained why if you want to go back in the podcast and missed it but yeah I, I like Rory a lot this week it's a bet I've been eyeing for over a week. And it was the number came out the way I wanted. And I think this is a a great spot to to take him and have him kind of go up the FedEx Cup standings. Because Rory McIlroy loves money. And I know he's going to want to be in the mix at (laughs) Eastlake in two weeks. My other best bet, let's go to soccer. And you actually got to wait till Sunday, Sunday morning in the States. And we have Wolverhampton against Tottenham in the Premier League. The Premier League started last week. So this is the second game week for all clubs in the Premier League. Tottenham had one of the best results in the Premier League, upsetting Man City 1-0 at home. Now they go on the road at Wolves. Uh, the big storyline kind of in the EPL right now and kind of throughout the summer was Harry Kane's future. And Harry Kane, who is rumored to go to Manchester City from Tottenham for over 100 million pounds, uh, didn't show up to Tottenham training, is not part of the squad or it possibly not going to be part of the team's plans going forward. So without Harry Kane, Tottenham kind of lacks a goal-scoring threat. Wolverhampton is a team that doesn't score. But the reason I really like this is because of the familiarity between the teams. Tottenham has a new manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, who is the manager for Wolves the last few seasons. He got him promoted to the EPL. I think just because there's so much familiarity between the teams and Santo knowing the players, that there's going to be a really tight game. So under 2.25 on the Asian handicap, Wolverhampton, Tottenham, uh, you can maybe find at your specific book, you'll say two or two and a half, basically, meaning if they score two goals, you win half your bet. If they score zero or one, you win your full bet. If they score three or more, you lose the bet. But I feel really good that they're not going to score three goals. And at least we win half our bet on that Sunday morning game, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was one nil each way uh, in that game on Sunday morning between Wolverhampton and Tottenham under 2.25 goals.
0: All right. So those are our best bets. We will be back next week. What are we doing next week? Nate? What are we previewing
1: next week? We're, we're going to go full on NFL and start attacking the AFC. We covered oh, all yeah. the NFC conference as long with all the college football. So we're wrapping that up. So as we get close to the football season, I think we'll actually start be able to preview some games and try to figure out figure out Finally. that, which is super exciting, but yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about the AFC because there are some definitely some interesting divisions this season. So, looking forward to more previewing the football season as we get ever so close.
0: And if you won. Yeah, and if you missed our Big 10, ACC, Pac-12 go back you can find it in the feed for the podcast. That is always going to be there as we get closer and closer to college football season. Nate. We are oh so close to college football yep. season. But that'll do it for us this week. Good luck on your best bets. Good luck on any bets that you make for NFL, MLB, whatever it may be. Good luck to everybody. And we will see you right here next week.